So when you study history and you study markets and how they react to these events, you realize that the events are, from a human element, extraordinarily awful. But from an investing standpoint, markets do go on. Markets do function. Because even though that these bad events happen, the bad events are moments in history, they're time, they're finite, the market is infinite. You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey everybody, thanks for joining the podcast today. I'm Sean Vincent. I am the voice of Last Week in the Market. We'll be talking with Adam Sarhan. He's the brains behind Last Week in the Market. Adam and I recorded a podcast on Friday afternoon last week, shortly before the market closed. It was a good day on the market. It was the first follow-through day that we've seen in a long time, certainly since the big pullback that struck us in July. Then on Saturday, we got the terrible news of the attacks in Israel, and throughout the weekend, we saw the footage of the atrocities there. And we thought that we would re-record our conversation to address and acknowledge the tragedy that happened, but also to put these events into the broader context of history and the history of markets and to figure out a new way to move forward despite this new uncertainty. But before we get to all of that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. This is the week of October 9th, 2023, and here's what happened last week in the market. After weeks of losses and choppy sideways motion, the market finally started a rally and continued with a follow-through day on Friday. Adam will explain to us what a follow-through day is and why it's important to aim traders. After good news in the markets on Friday, we saw terrible news on the global stage on Saturday. When it comes to your trading strategy, Adam says it's not the news that matters, but how the market reacts. So you and I recorded on Friday, uh, about an hour or two before the markets closed. It was a good day in the market, a follow-through day. We'll talk about what that is a little bit more. And then the next day, a new war broke out. Yes. And I've watched it over the weekend. And, you know, we record on Friday. I like to edit and have things ready, you know, by Monday afternoon at the latest. And the tone of our podcast on Friday was excitement, hope for the future, you know, opportunity for profit. And then I saw pictures of people uh, who had been killed and left on the highway and buildings being blown up and falling down. And I lost that uh, joy. I lost the optimism. And the whole tone of our conversation struck me as wrong for the moment now that these other things had happened. And so you're in my office today. I love that we get to talk in person. Sometimes we're on the internet, right? Using technology. And and so I asked you, would you record again for me? And a lot of the things that we're going to say are going to be the same. But I I read your finally stocks newsletter this morning. And it started with an acknowledgement that there's another war. Yeah happening there are people dying there are people suffering and it looks like there's going to be death and suffering for a while yeah and uh one is i, I just an acknowledgement of that and and yet the world goes on and yet everywhere in the world people go back to work today and they grow food and they make things in factories and they drive to work and they take their kids to school and we've seen wars pop up before 
we weren't recording this podcast then, but you and I were working on projects together back when Russia invaded Ukraine, right. which is still going on. And I remember then you're like, okay, this is a thing that we're watching. When it comes to the markets, it's not the news, it's the reaction to the news. And during the last 10, 11 weeks that we've been recording together, we talk about sometimes macroeconomic indicators. Mm -hmm. They're not irrelevant, but they're not the primary thing we're looking at, right? Price is primary. Everything else is secondary. Uh, help us digest that. Like, like how, uh, this is... This is uh, what makes, yeah, makes sense out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So first off, thoughts and prayers. It's an extremely, extremely, extremely awful event that happened and that's happening. It's not just that it's over. And the human element supersedes anything else, puts trading, puts investing, puts money, puts work, puts everything else in the backseat because the human-to-human -human connection, there's a reason why we're all here, is numero uno. It's number one. You want to live in a healthy world. You want to have peace. You want to have happiness. You want people to thrive. You want people to be successful. You want to be optimistic about our future, so on and so forth. So even with the events that happened – it's really important to understand, like Ray Dalio talks about, who's the biggest investor or the biggest hedge fund manager of our generation. He says, if you study history, you realize it's another one of those. Meaning what? If you study history, you know that wars happen. That's what I said in the note this morning. And yes, these things happen. They're sad. They're unfortunate. It's awful. It's senseless. I mean, it's brutal. There's, it's a savage. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason for it. But wars happen. So from an investing standpoint, in business standpoint, in life standpoint, safety is number one. If you're in a safe environment, great. It's a blessing. Count your blessings. But number two is how does the market react to the news? Overnight with futures, you, know, you said you were going to call me over the weekend. I got lots of phone calls. Hey, Adam, what do you think is going to happen on the weekend when the futures open Sunday at 6 Eastern? Well, my guess was stocks are going to go down and uh, gold's going to go up and oil's going to go up a little bit. And that's what happened. I had no idea how much stocks would go down or how much oil or gold would go up, but that's typically the response. I remember back in the 90s, you had Gulf War One, Gulf War Two, and you saw this in 2000 after 9-11. You saw this so many times, so many other wars or conflicts, whatever word you want to use. We've seen these things before. So when you study history and you study markets and how they react to these events, you realize that the events are, from a human element, extraordinarily awful. The bad guys hopefully are just gone because they need. This is just awful. It's abhorrent. It's horrific. Any other word you possibly want to use, events that describe this, it's absolutely senseless. But from an investing standpoint, markets do go on. Markets do function, and the optimism should stay there because even though that these bad events happen, the bad events are moments in history. They're time. They're finite. The market is infinite. And that's really important to understand that these wars eventually end. Yes, there's a human toll. Yes, they're brutal. Yes, they're devastating, so on and so forth. But they end. The market stays open. So how you navigate that environment is up to you. Today was, a, in my opinion, a bullish day. The market opened lower. Now it's in the upper half of the range, depending on where we close. That's a good sign. And guess what? You're not down 500 points in the Dow or 1,000 points or whatever, some crazy massive you know puke kind of reaction this was just a very small decline from a massive event that happened a horrific event and now you're moving forward and the market's got a lot to look forward to this week you have to deal with the the hopefully this war being a swift end it's not going to be open-ended fingers are crossed but as investors we've got to deal with probabilities and stack the odds of success in our favor most likely this war is not going to blow up into a massive world war three kind of scenario 
That being said, the ingredients are there for some kind of spark that could ignite the, you know, another massive regional war, global war, whatever the case may be. The probability is low, but that could happen. So from an investing standpoint, you ask, okay, most likely this will go away, and then what do you deal with? Well, we've got inflation this week, we've got earnings this week, we've got uh, other events this week. Okay, how is the market reacting to the news? That's all that matters in my mind. Yeah, and the market is not reacting in a severe way to the news. Correct. And frankly, it's been nearly two years now for the invasion of Ukraine, Mm -hmm. and it had some slight market fluctuations on the initial invasion, but then it went on, like you say, the market went on, and then a year later, there was a rally that got us through the summer. Yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those situations where it's so sad from a human toll, the human, you know, you really want to wear that sensitive hat and be very, very mindful of it and and go above and beyond, give help. There's humanitarian causes, go out and give. Living is giving, right? Go out and give, help. Do whatever you can do to contribute and help. But from the investing side of it, when you filter out all the noise and you just look at the market and just look at how the market's reacting, there's one of three things. It can be bullish, bearish, or it can be a non-event. If... If the market doesn't fall on bearish news, that's bullish. If the market doesn't rally on bullish news, that's bearish. Right. So what's happening now is the market's not falling in a very big way on what otherwise could be very bearish news. And that in of itself is bullish. It's a bullish side. Yeah. Yeah. And, and regardless of global catastrophes and, and bad news and wars and plagues, pandemics. Right. Um, the way an amped trader manages risk doesn't change. Zero. Right? So whether it's one equity taking a hit or hits coming across the board, an amped trader, when they go into a position, has already decided when they're going to sell by setting their sell stops. And if a massive global calamity set all markets crashing, amped traders sell stops are going to get triggered mm-hmm. and they're going to be out. Yeah, 100%. And that's how they manage that risk. So whether it's a big risk or a global risk or a, an isolated risk that affects a part of your portfolio, the risk management's the same. 100%. The, in the book, in Psychological Analysis, and if anyone hasn't read it, they can go on Amazon and type in Psychological Analysis and read it there. We have not just we have a whole chapter dedicated to risk, but not just risk from an entry to exit standpoint. We have multiple types of risk. Remember, one of those pieces of risk were the geopolitical risk or external mm-hmm. events. So there's there's multiple levels of risk here, not just enter here, exit here, risk this much my portfolio. That's one type of risk. But there's systematic risk. There's unsystematic. There's all these different types of risks that show up. And this geopolitical risk is one of the major ones. And that's what we're seeing here. But again, it's another one of those. This is not the first war, sadly. It's not the last war, sadly. There's going to be more of these. So from an investing standpoint, if you have structure in place. Structure you're going to be protected. And that's what we want to do is we want to plan for that great American tailwind. We want to plan for the long term. We want to plan for bull markets, bear markets, and sideways markets. But understand, it all comes down to risk and reward. So if you take care of the risk side of the equation, the reward side should hopefully, fingers crossed, take care of itself. Sure. So now that we've talked about the tragedy, we've put it in context with the economy. It's another one of those without the callousness that's associated with that. But the markets are open. We're moving forward. Uh, Friday was a good day for amped traders and for the market in general. 
I think the NASDAQ at the end of the day was up about 1.6, 1.7%. It was a follow-through day. Yes. Tell our listeners what a follow-through day is. Sure. So when you have a correction, which is the market's been correcting since July, you get these series of rally attempts. And what is a rally attempt? The market stops going down, number one, and starts going up. It's rocket science, I know. <laughs> I'm joking. So. Yeah. That's day one of a follow through. Oh, sorry, day one of a rally attempt. Mm. So as long as that day's low is not undercut, you just count the days. So day one, day two, day three, so on and so forth. Now a follow through day comes typically anytime after day three, but preferably between day four and day seven of a new rally attempt. And all a follow through day is, it's a heavy up day on heavier volume than the prior session. And what does that show us, Sean? It shows us that the big institutions, the big money, they're in there buying and aggressively buying the market. Not every fall-through day leads to a major bull market, but every bull market begins with a fall-through day. So it gives us the, the green light to say, oh, okay, hold on a second. This correction could be over. Let's put our toe in the water or put two toes in the water, maybe put a foot in the water and see how things go. If the market rewards you by going higher, you can progressively increase your exposure. And if you do that, then guess what? You're going to slowly get in as the market goes your way. If that fall-through day fails, in other words, if we undercut Friday's low and or the rally's low from last from a week and a half ago, 8, 9, 10 trading days ago, then all of a sudden this rally attempt is over. And then you just reset the, ba- the day count again and this fall-through day failed and the, f- the rally did not work. That's one. The other big thing that you want to see with the fall-through day is you want to see leading stocks break out and go up. I know it's a crazy thought. Stocks actually go up. But when you get a fall-through day, and you get a new batch of leaders, ideally new names that haven't, they weren't the past cycle leaders, that's really powerful. And if they can take off and go, it's just, I mean, Merry Christmas. Because you have a situation where you have every major bull market begins with the fall through day and a new batch of leaders breaking out and rallying. So eventually this bear market's going to end. It's guarantees. Eventually the correction ends. The pullback ends. After every red light at a traffic sign, what happens? You get a green light. The red light in, mark in, the, in the Wall Street is corrections or pullbacks or bear markets. They end. Okay, followed by what? A green light, which is a big rally. And that's the idea. The follow-through day is a green light that says, hey, things could be changing. Right. doesn't mean that it's it guaranteed it's going higher. Right. just stacks the odds of success. In our but a follow-through day comes after a new rally attempt. Yeah. Maybe as soon as three days. Ideally, this range between four and seven, you said? Yeah, four right? and seven. And so we're going to see... The whatever indices leading is going to move up by a percent and a half yep, or better. More. Yep. And on volume, mm-hmm. meaning that it's institutions that are in there moving it upward. Correct. And then throw on top of that, you want to see individual stocks leadership. Yeah. And one thing that we've talked about on this show for a while that's been in your findleadingstocks.com newsletter is that there's not been a lot of leaders. Correct. Have you, have you seen a couple of leaders show up? We did. We had a lot of leaders. I think we had like 60, 50 or 60 stocks that showed up in the weekend report and we had several of them featured that were breaking out and they were breaking out of sound bases and they looked really good. And had you bought them, some of them worked. A lot of them actually still worked even with today's down day, today being Monday. And after the horrific events from the weekend. So, yeah, when you're in a a bull market or you're in a new stage of a a rally attempt, you want to see these stocks rally. But also understand that you just need a handful of stocks, even one or two good names a year, to put up some really, really good returns for that year. You don't have to catch 
thousand stocks. Mm-hmm. You get one or two, sink your teeth to one or two good names and let them run, get out of their way. Like, don't just sell it if it goes up 5%. Like, hold it, let it run, give it every chance in the world to, to double or triple or quadruple for, with you on board. Then, by all means, you can do phenomenally well. So, quality matters more than quantity. Right. Because the whole, the whole philosophy is uh, you're going to lose relatively frequently Correct. because the future is unpredictable. But you put in your sell stops and you lose small. Yes. Uh, but that means that when you find a leader literally does take off, there's no real cap to that. So it's as successful as the market's belief in that equity is. And, and 100%. then you move your stops up to break even. At a certain point, you move it up to lock in a profit yeah. at a certain point, and you see how long that ride goes. Yeah, so it's really powerful to illustrate this. So let's say there's 10 trades. There's two traders. You might have heard me say it. If you did, then mm-hmm. you know where I'm going here. Trader A loses 9 out of 10 trades, but every time they lose, they lose $1. Okay, they lost $9 out of 9 times out of 10. The 10th time, they won 10. So net-net, they're up 1. Right. Trader B wins 9 times. But they only win one dollar nine times, so they're up nine. The tenth trade, they lost ten. Net net, they're minus one. Trader A had a ninety percent losing ratio, but made money. Trader B had a ninety percent win ratio, but lost money. Where do you want your money to go? Obviously, with the one that makes you money. Well, understand that the whole idea that money, uh, my win ratio, my loss ratio, it's really misleading because what matters is how much do you win when you're right. And how much do you lose when you're wrong? Mm-hmm. And the best investors in the world and traders know that if you keep your losses small and you let your winners run over time, that's a winning. Yeah. It stacks the odds of success in your favor. We know that. We've been doing this podcast since July. Yeah. Uh, at the end of July, that's the, the rally attempt from the spring had sputtered out. We had a big pullback. Mm-hmm. I think our first podcast together was pullback. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then that's lasted now for 10 weeks. Yeah. This is the first podcast we've had. During that time where we've like, all right, we had a follow through day. We have a rally attempt that looks like it might have some legs. Right now, it looks like it might hold up against terrible global news. Mm-hmm. Um, amp traders, a lot of them got stopped out of most of their positions at the end of July, mm-hmm. beginning of August. Yep. That means people's position, if they're amp traders, was mostly cash. They took profits by getting stopped out, just to clarify. Sure. Most, yeah. Stopped out, but yeah. they stopped out. They had been around for the bulk of the move. Yes. And, and their stops caused them to get out before they suffered the full Big decline. decline yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, so then they're holding cash, and our message has been, all right, it's choppy, it's sideways, it's chop city. Just wait, yeah. <laughs> but, but cash is a position, and defense is king. Yes. Well, now... Uh, I heard you say that amp traders are starting to test the waters again. Yeah. There, there's a reason to be optimistic. And so they're taking some long positions on leading stocks that have broke out after the follow-through day or on the follow-through day. And um, it's a different posture. Yeah, 100%. And you've got inflation coming out this week. Last year in October, the market bottomed when inflation was released. So it's really interesting to see what happens this time around. We have a lot of bullish st- tailwinds, right? The last two, August and September, were both down 1% in the S&P. The last several times that happened, October was up 7 or 8%, and the fourth quarter was up big time. You have a situation where you you have that bullish cup and handle pattern on the monthly chart in NASDAQ and the S&P, which is really, really up. Opti- one of the super extremely rare pattern, but when it's confirmed, it's very, very bullish, and mm-hmm. it'll be confirmed when the market gets above September's highs. 
and then July's highs. So you have the ingredients in place for a strong rally going into the end of the year. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to go higher, but we want to be prepared and we started getting optimistic and, and more offensive would be a better word instead of defense, playing a little offense here and we're easily ready to play a lot more offense, especially over the next several weeks as earnings season comes out. You're going to have stocks that are going to gap up and break away, have breakaway gaps or break out of these patterns and those are going to be the new leaders. So if you get a new name, XYZ or ABC or LMNOP, that breaks out on earnings and they beat estimates and they raise guidance or they just break out because they have a strong reaction to earnings reports, that to me is just – it's candy, like the kid in the candy store. I love that because those are the stocks that most likely are going to double and triple over the next 12 to 18 months, the ones that break out from a ma- major catalyst like earnings. Yeah. And then to put a fine point on it, that's what fine leading stocks – dot com newsletter is all about is you spend your time looking for those leaders and looking for the advanced entry points when they've broken out and they're poised to to be viable as you say yes if you're willing and ready to take that risk yeah 100 percent. and it's like the, we were talking earlier about the cavemen back in the day and their eating habits and they're walking and then running like they seem to leave in the black swan type of a thing that's right yeah, yeah so yeah. It's, the, it's the cavemen back in the day used to hunt and gather this is my version of hunting and gathering. I'm not killing game, and I don't even know how to hold a gun, let alone tie my shoes. You know, I'm not going to go hunt and hunt a big, you know, saber-toothed tiger. But what am I doing? I'm looking through markets. I'm hunting and gathering in my way, in my world, for food and or, i.e., for opportunities that work. And this, to me, is it's it's like anyone who likes playing a puzzle or a game. It's the most intellectually stimulating puzzle and game and satisfies me on so many different levels, the hunter gathering me and all these other things, yeah. that it's it's the greatest cha- intellectual challenge or intellectual game I can find and play. And I love it. Passion, I'm passionate about it and love helping others. I mean, it's absolutely next level awesome. All right, everybody, that's the podcast for today. I appreciate you listening through to the end. Our hearts are with all those who are suffering in any war. We'll keep our eyes on the markets for you. We'll be back next week to talk about it. Until then, as Adam always says, keep your losses small and let your winners fly. If the market doesn't fall on bearish news, that's bullish.